2: making work make sense. LinkedIn knows how. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation,
0: we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. I to get 30, 30, 30, get 30,
3: get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So
0: Give it a try at mintmobile.com switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 40- Per month, Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: This is Fight Night Extra on Talks Ford 2.
4: If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth at Davis. And I'm delighted to say I'm alongside IVF Flyweight Champ. Sonny Edwards today. Today, we'll be reflecting on Saturday night in Manchester as Chris Eubank Jr. produced one of the performances of his career to defeat Liam Smith and avenge his defeat from earlier in the year. We'll break down the fight and look at where it was won and lost and hear from both men too. What next for both men? Eubank says he's targeting world titles. But once again, all the talk is about a fight between him and Conor Ben. Will we finally see the pair meet in the ring or should eubank focus on winning world titles is there scope even for a trilogy between smith and eubank plus we'll speak to sonny about his plans to unify the flyweight division he's preparing to head stateside to fight bam bam rodriguez in december yes that is for the pound for pound slot in the division and i'll get his take on the status of the heavyweight division too lots to get through this is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Was January a
2: fluke or did it bend the blueprint for what's about to play out in part two? This is the one we've been
1: waiting for and as you can hear, the atmosphere is simply
0: electric. Oh, good shot from you, Mike Smith goes down. It was a right hand, the right uppercut. Brilliant shot from you, Mike And is that the moment?
1: at the moment. It's his legs have suddenly got Newbank piling under pressure. And
2: now he's unloading again. Newbank Smith bravely throws a punch back off the ropes, but he goes
1: bundled down. Nothing left here. The referee's looking close. He's a target,
0: a moving target, and massive punches coming in again from Newbank. And the referee stops it. It's all over.
4: Welcome Sonny, uh, well I say Sonny, it's Sonny where you are, I believe you're in Tenerife yeah? Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, we're out here, it's our, it's our first full day today, we got here yesterday um, yeah, enjoying and sulking up the rays and, and getting some hard training in. Because
4: Tenerife is almost Africa isn't it, Las Canarias, you are just down the side of Africa.
5: Yeah and we're feeling every bit of heat today. Yeah. Um, it's been good though. There's a big uh, squad out of uh, out here with us. There's um you know, pretty much most of the Steel City Gym. Um, including you know, the strength coaches, the nutritionists, so a few sparring partners. Yeah, it's really good. Looking forward to a, a good couple of weeks out here and um sort of setting me my foundation for the rest of camp. I saw you there on
4: Saturday night in Manchester, obviously. We had a little um by a little fist bump, that was it, really. Um, I was running around. You were just, you were glad-handing all the stars there. Yourself a star, of course. Now, I've got to ask you, uh, Dalton uh, Smith out there with you, and is Grant Smith, his dad, your coach, and has he got a floppy hat to keep the bald head getting burnt?
5: Uh, yeah, Dalton's out here. Um, we was all on the same flight. Uh, we actually came to the airport together. Grant's out here as well. He got for Grant's funny, you know, he went to a different airport and <laughs> asked to make sure he was on his own flight and he's in his hotel all on his own there's about 15 of us out there and he's the only one in that hotel <laughs> and you're all you're all in a couple of houses together yeah so there's um a lot of pierce's fighters he's there in uh hotels and we're in um a nice big villa this is the camp house you know for the next couple of weeks and if you can hear
4: noise in the background by the way during this uh fight night extra podcast it's lee records your your nutritionist, strength and conditioning coach. What is your nutritionist?
5: Yeah, nutritionist. Nutritionist. He just preparing the, the the feast for everyone as a reward for hard day's training, keeping us all on plan.
4: Does he give you a nice menu and you're allowed to choose the things from there, or is it strictly what he says you're having?
5: He tries being a bit strict. He's smiling in the background. He tries being a bit strict, but. I mean, I put my foot down and things get changed, you know?
4: As I said, I saw you there on Saturday night. um, Obviously, Talksport were there live with our broadcast team. Um, uh, Did you enjoy the night, first of all? I thought the atmosphere in there was extraordinary.
5: Yeah, I've got a confession to make. I wasn't in the venue for the main event, and and, and as much as I wanted to be, I'd been in Manchester the night before with Lyndon doing his corner, um, staying after. Getting back late and then doing it again for Florian's fight. That after the Fraser Dave Allen fight, I made the decision to get home in time for the main event, which I did. Bear in mind, got in time for the main event, and what a fight it was. Um, I just didn't fancy getting home at three o'clock when I had a flight to Tenerife the next morning at about midday, so yeah, I had to make that. But uh, jealous of all the people in the arena, to be honest. Like. The Manchester Arena, when it's full up, is, is, is a spectacle. And it was filling up when I was still there and it was a good atmosphere. And I, 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 I enjoyed the card. I did. I really enjoyed the card. I thought there were some good fights. Um, I don't want to be controversial, but I think fights like Michaela Mayer on, on a card like that, I feel like that slot could have been used better. I think the kind of the atmosphere of the whole crowd went stagnant for the whole fight. I mean... Have you got something against Michaela Mayer then? You're, you're, you're normally... Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's a great fight, fight. I think... Yeah. I just think when you're promoting boxing events, <clears throat> there's probably a ring somewhere on this world that that fight gets a crowd a lot more excited. And I genuinely believe that and I think that's one of the problems sometimes with promoters getting fighters signed from all over the place and having to fit to a certain amount of fights per month, etc. is that they sometimes get backed in the corner.
4: But where I disagree with you was Tasha Jonas was working TV and um, Caroline Dubois was there and Lauren Price was there. Lauren Price is chasing Tasha Jonas. Michaela Meyer is mm-hmm. chasing a fight with Tasha Jonas. Caroline Dubois wants to fight Michaela Meyer. So they did have a few little kind of chess pieces that were orbiting and spinning. So I think that I know what you mean. But I think there was a reason for her being on that card because I think I think they're looking, trying to tempt her to fight Caroline Dubois, which is a great test right mm-hmm. now for Dubois, in my view.
5: Yeah, and and maybe if if that is the case, then 100%. My point is just as a fan enjoying a, a boxing event as um, one of the few times I get to go to a show and just be a fan, know, not have like be backstage doing some media or or. Um, A corner work. It was nice to just you know go as a fan, and I don't know. It just seemed like the atmosphere went a bit flat. That's all I was saying. It was. I I thought it was a quite tidy fight. I liked the action that was going on, Mm. but if you had I don't know like a Chloe Watson in that time slot, you know a more local girl coming from you know Liverpool sides and fighting in Manchester, there would have been a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, looking at the local girl fighting well and getting behind it. So the whole enjoyment of someone that goes to a boxing event to sit down, maybe not be the most. Oh, uh, if you have uh, been there at the main
4: event, you wouldn't have been saying this. I'm telling no, you. No, I a
5: hundred percent agree. That's why I'm yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just but, talking about on the, on the yeah, undercard. Honestly, I'm talking.
4: It was, they, they kept us in suspense a really long time for the main event. And you know what? In the end, people thank God they run.
5: did. I got home just in time.
4: Good. I'm glad they did. I got home just in time. Pay-per-view.
5: Boom. Ready.
4: I've written a column since and I I, I snuck in the ring. You'll hear it in a bit. Chris Eubank Jr. Calls me sneaky for getting in there or the sneakiest journalist for getting in there. um,
5: I've
4: called him. That was a world-class performance for me. We'll come into the Liam Smith thing in a minute, but he was under massive pressure facing a career abyss. He's a real strutting peacock anyway. Um, He's, such a good salesman and a wind-up merchant, he always sets himself up for the shadow, what I call hubris, the big fall, the Greek um, myth of falling, hubris, into the pit when you boast too much. Um, Hubris follows him. I thought he, and he admitted afterwards he had to go through a lot of demons coming into this fight. I've described him as being knocked out in January, like dropping a shirt into a suitcase. You know? And I thought he did a lot to come back in this fight. His dad and his brother in the skies will have been smiling somewhere on Saturday night, in my view.
5: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like you need to have the humbling to really change your mindset. I feel like I wasn't sure if he did the way he was speaking about how the first fight went down. It kind of convinced me that he just blamed certain things. He he was humble and accepted certain things, but there was you know, there was the delusion. elbow, there Maybe was this, there was there delusion was, or, yeah. Like, yeah. it should have carried on, but yeah. if he fully come to terms with that, that wasn't, but that was what he was saying, then he played an absolute blinder because yeah. like the way he fought, for the first time in his career, I saw a fighter who established a plan from uh, being of edge of range every time. He knew exactly yeah. what he wanted to do. When nothing was really happening, his priority was scoring and leading the exchanges with the jab and the long shots. The moment he felt comfortable and the target was there, he felt very confident and letting his hands go. He didn't mind after landing a clean shot to burst through a bit of energy and go through the gears a bit. But then, as soon as he got to the point where Liam looked like he could at all have some one, any sort of exchange back. Chris Eubank would maturely and cleverly come back to the centre of the ring and start edging and stepping. And as you could hear Bomack in the corner, keep stepping, keep stepping. He kept his feet going left and right, left and right. And it kept him a mobile target. So when Liam was thinking about closing the gap, he was getting there. But because he wasn't thinking about punching at that time, by the time he got there, Chris had already adjusted and maybe hit him with a shot. And he, was, and he couldn't break down the physical attributes. I think he started relatively well in similar fashion to the first, right? But he'd never put a dent in Chris Eubank this time, no. even when he did land. Um, they looked like there was something wrong with his ankles. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. We'll come to that in before. a minute.
4: We'll come to that. But what I, what I wanted to ask you, again, you, you, you got into that. Did you not think that what Chris did very cleverly, and Mayweather used to do this, by the way, watching him live many times. If he was up against a dangerous puncher early, he'd land and clinch. Joe Calzaghe did it effectively. Andre Ward's done it at times. Um, some of the great boxers have done it. They've uh, Bernard Hopkins used to do it. They just nullify people early in the fight and actually feel their... Because they're so fit and strong, nullify the other person's physical dimensions and let them know how strong they are actually physically. And I thought... Doing that for the first two rounds, it was kind of a phony war in a way. You could have given those first two to Liam. A lot of us gave the first two to Chris. Um, but after that, like you said, he did that thing where he controlled the space. And like you say, second round, Spencer Oliver spotted it on
5: commentary. Liam seemed to have done something to his ankle. Hmm. He did. And I feel like there was angles of him doing it sort of on both sides. And I've had that feeling I know what it exactly feels like when you can't really put as much weight on your feet as possible. It's hard to really load up for shots as well and even feel comfortable when you are stepping. Um, yeah, I feel like what Chris did very well, though, I feel like he prioritised the correct things in, in, in a big way and it, the only real difference is the influence of his, his corner, you, you would see, and maybe some mental maturity and, and maybe some self-awareness of... You know, yeah. if I keep punching and punching and punching, not only will I get tired at um at certain points, but I'll also be more susceptible to taking big shots. And I think that happened the first time. As soon as he started landing clean, it looked like oh Chris might start taking over. The fight was over pretty much and it all came out of nowhere really. Um but he was a lot more switched on and what he'd done and I've been speaking to a lot of the fighters that I'm out here with right now. Um and I'll be I'll be real, I never really thought I'd be using a Chris Eubank fight, especially of a good level as like a real example of how to go about fighting and, and teaching lessons, but he was bursting so the most memorable part of each round was a clean shot followed by uh, an acceleration of work and then the moment that it started getting a bit high in the kitchen, Liam Smith was ready to throw back, it was all about getting your balance, getting control of the centre of the ring, edging back and having Liam always having to play a little catch up little adjust yeah, yeah, forward yeah, yeah. and keep having yeah. to try and offset the jab and he had every physical advantage um the bigger man he, he looked in better shape he, he looked you know the superior fighter and i think it was a very a, a big contrast yeah a visible contrast right. for everyone to see from the first fight and props to chris eubank um junior his his training team and himself for believing in uh you know, getting that fight over the line. We
4: saw on Behind the Ropes, Bob um Brian McIntyre, talking about that half step back you're just talking about, controlling the range, getting his shots away. You're right, third, fourth round, he thought, oh, a one, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, it's still there. Boom, boom. Half step back. Mm-hmm. Bob was working on that with him, um, which I thought was fascinating. Quick word on Bob by the way. News has broken as we report uh, on this tonight that. Um allegedly uh Beaumont wasn't able to leave Manchester airport on Sunday night because there was a, a firearm and ammunition found in his in his suitcase in the hold, and there's an ongoing police investigation that's been uh, reported widely uh today. It's a strange sport boxing, isn't it?
5: Yeah, kind of speechless in the sense of the timing of it. I mean the year that Crawford has his big breakout win, one of the biggest fights that we've seen of this generation. Against uh, Spence, and then Chris Eubank completely ripping up the scripts of the, the first fight and boxing in a way that a lot of people would have probably been forgiven for. Don't think they could ever see Chris Eubank Junior. box. If I'm perfectly where right. I think he showed a level of growth and rapid development and maturity that I probably didn't expect. Someone that was playing catch up in a boxing career, you know, starting later than you know some six, seven, eight year old career fighters. Um, I've always then, thought yeah, he's on, had it
4: sunny. I've
5: always had faith in him that he's had it, you know? Always been glimpses. There's always been exactly. highlight moments that if you yeah. could spread and put the the bit of work in between to be a bit more consistent, a bit more reliable, a bit less, you know, when someone's boxing, you're missing shots and getting a bit frustrated and having to stand by, There was just little gaps that he had to sort of smooth over. And yeah, I think the eye test he always had and that's why it was always really easy to get excited about. Him.
4: I, th- I think Bomac is good for him, notwithstanding what 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 Chris Eubank achieved, we take nothing away from that, and you waxed lyrical about it beautifully and explained the dance. Let's just listen to what Bomack told Adam Catterall and Spencer Oliver after the fight. Talk me bad? through I mean, that I mean, from start three to, three finish, three to finish, three sir, three because three three that was pretty special.
1: Well, I, I will tell you this, man. You got to have a game plan when you go into into the fight, and so the game plan was like I was really telling everybody. Me, it's really just one on one boxing. Staying. Ropes, keeping his left hand up, and just boxing him. Boxing him, and watch out for his right hand. Bro, mate, I asked you when we spoke on Wednesday, I said to you, what's the game plan? What do you do? What do you adjust into such a short space of time? You said to me, Spence is simple. We go back to basics, right. we stay switched on three minutes of each round. And that's basically what you done. Exactly, that's the thing we're supposed to do because Chris no how to box already. So you can't come in a man's camp with five weeks left and try to change anything. Just make him re- remind him of staying up ropes. Keep pumping your jab, keeping your hands up. And just keep boxing, that's all you gotta do, that's what, all you gotta do. What, what, what was you telling him as the rounds were going on and he was getting closer? You knew you could see that Smith was getting broken down. Right. was you telling him to put his foot on the gas? Yeah, I, I, I was telling him, I kept telling him, hey, around after like seven, round seven, eight I, eight. I said, he's done, right he was now. done, cuz he was uh, taking everything that uh, Chris was throwing. And he, was, he wasn't giving no more resistance, but he still is dangerous with that right hand. And then he started throwing that left uppercut cuz Chris was leaning in a little bit. But thanks to Coach Red, Coach Red kept saying, stop falling in. Stop falling in. And then, hey, we start catching that little uppercut, and then
4: just kept pushing him and pushing him to the limit. Bomek there on how much Chris Eubank did on the night. Very quickly, you reckon they stay together now?
5: Um, Who? Chris Eubank and Bomek?
4: and Chris Eubank. Is that a, is that a partnership that will stay together now, in your view?
5: <laughs> if I'm being honest, it depends entirely on where Beaumont's going to spend the next however many years. I feel like we don't know enough about the situation, but from what has sort of surfaced, it's not a good start. I feel everyone connected to it would probably be feel a bit disrupted right now. Um, Hopefully, um, all for the best and but know, ale- free That's Beaumont. alleged
4: what happened in news terms. Of we course, don't alleged, know, of course. We don't know the outcome of that. There's a, there's a hearing on, I think there's a case on October 3rd it's in early October, and I don't have the exact date in front of me. We'll see what the outcome of that is, and 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 uh, you know what what the veracity and what the truth is in this situation. But if you were if you can kind of ignore what's happened, but if there is no kind of major ramifications, do you see Eubank staying with Bomac as his trainer
5: after that performance? Would you go and train in with anywhere where, nope. anyone else in the world? Nope. I wouldn't. I, like if if that was my first fight four weeks and you could hear him listening, there was a lot of verbal concurrent information getting delivered all the way through the fight to you, Even when it was all going well, it was still a constant delivery of passionate advice coming from a very experienced corner that has trained fighters yeah. to the most elitist, elitist level of elite boxing has to offer. I feel like, okay, this might be a bit out there to say at this point, but, for boxing' sake, Bomac being a trainer around these fighters is clearly a very good thing. Boxing kind of needs Absolutely. trainers like him out here training people, you know. So hopefully, it's more of a, a small explosion in a teacup rather than, you know, what has allegedly touched the reports. Like I said, I don't know too much. I'm in camp. I've only just seen what everyone else has seen no. on the internet. So yeah. until yeah. The, the facts come out, it's Twitter pages and and. Exactly. Instagram posts. And you
4: speculation. Know? And speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Smith, as I said, notwithstanding what Chris Eubank Jr. has achieved, Sonny, um, on Saturday night. Uh, what about Liam Smith? He mentioned a gruelling weight cut about to, up to 40 pounds. Obviously, the back injury hadn't helped him. He'd obviously put on a lot of weight. He was, he's 35 now. You don't know what that's like yet. When people get to that age, the body does thicken up. He's moved mm-hmm. into middleweight from being a, a light middleweight champion very well. Um, could that weight cut have really impacted him because he didn't look the same fighter? Apart from the ankle going, it looked like as well. He just never, he said he felt flat. He could never get going. And as I said, you can't take what away what, what Chris Eubank did, but he didn't seem to be able to find any timing or any rhythm or, he just seemed flat. And I agree with him.
5: Um, if I look at it completely bluntly, honestly, I feel like, Liam Smith beating Chris Eubank was a, a big moment, a big sort of milestone in his quite illustrious career. Like Liam Smith's had some great nights in a boxing ring, um, been a, a good challenger at times, but been a, a great fighter and a champion in his own right as well. Um, but maybe like a sort of uh, a more of a twilight peak, maybe, um, beating Chris Eubank. And, yeah, okay, now a bit older than what he used to do and how he used to be. I believe that he had some sort of injury. He was looking to recover that, you know, knock dates and made postponements. And if he had an eight-week sort of uh, limitation of, no, you signed the rematch clause, this fight's happening now, this is the date we're offering it to you, eight weeks, it's all contractually, you know, legal, you kind of backed into a corner, then eight weeks we have to get whatever we've got off. And, you know, if he's just had, a most recent career, highest payday, sort of guaranteed another career up there, you know, up their payday. Then, yeah, you know, you've got an injury, you're not in the gym as much, you're sort of half not knowing when this date's going to come. You might get a bit further away than you should, and that is can be detrimental to your performance. I think every boxer knows that. I think it's something you learn with that fight. Every fighter has that camp where, oh, do you know this is going to be? And they just it's, it's too human. To not have a perfect diet is too human to blarp a little bit between fights when you don't know when you're fighting next. That's that's human, especially when you live a life where you have to be restricted for long periods of time. You know, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. You sometimes get to thinking, well, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to be able to do it in a month. So yeah, so it's, it's hard to stay. <clears throat> and then so there's every chance that that could have had a big effect. I mean, that was kind of the whispers at certain points around. You know, but. You never know what is just rumours and what is whispers or, you know, it's it's sad that that's the position that the rematch is sort of left in. In If, if that is generally the side of truth, he's not saying it's anyone's fault but his own. He's just saying that that, that that was a situation and who knows, it might have been a much more competitive fight and a better rematch and spectacle of a fight um, rather than just a showcase, really, unfortunately. Because I like Liam. I genuinely like Liam and I like him as a fighter as well. Um, It was a bit sad to watch that it was more of just a showcase of a Chris Eubank Jr. that we've never seen before. probably weren't expecting to see at this stage of his career. I mean, he's come past the like learning curves, the prospects. It's now, it's like, oh, well, we know what we're expecting now. It's meant to be anyway.
4: Brilliant. Um, Great analysis there from Sonny Edwards. Um, And we'll get more in a minute. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll talk to Sonny about his upcoming title fight with Bam Rodriguez. And I'll get his thoughts on the heavyweight division, including Daniel Dubois' recent defeat to Alexander Usyk. Next up, though, what next for Chris Eubank Jr. after his win on Saturday night? You're listening to Fight Night Extra on Talksport Two with me, Gareth Davis, and him, the IBF flyweight champion, Sonny Edwards. Um, let's just have a listen to Chris Eubank Jr. when I snuck into the ring in Manchester on Saturday night. Here's what he had to go at me. First of all, here's what he had to say. Chris, what an amazing performance tonight! Thank you for talking to us for Talksport. I know How did you, you get have, into well, this ring. I, 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 I bypass security with are. my blue shades on. the Sneakiest
3: guy in, 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 in journalism, I swear. You, you've earned this this very rare uh, interview. I don't do interviews in the ring with anybody, but you've got up here. If you don't ask, you don't get, so let's do it. What do you want to know?
4: How amazing did that feel tonight, to, to right the wrongs?
3: Listen, I know I, knew I always had that in me. It was, uh, my back was against the wall. I had, I, I had no other option but to go out there and put it all on the line, do or die. I said it before, and it's the truth. You know, if you put me in a situation like that, I'm gonna come out on top. I have to.
4: There are times when you've rested in fights before because you're so comfortable in the ring your focus was extraordinary tonight is that one of the best performances you can ever remember in your career
3: one of them you know especially coming off of the back of a you know a defeat like i had last time the bar was low you know people people saying i'm shot people saying i'm too old people saying i have too much money i don't want to be in the sport anymore i'm not dedicated roy jones is messing me up i switch trainers too much I, i play poker too much uh, you know, I, I talk to too many girls, the list goes on. Um, the fact of the matter is my life is boxing. I'm in the gym every day, even when I'm not in fight camp. Um, and that's how I can put on performances like that. World title coming up, Conor Ben coming up. What's What do you want to do afterwards? Listen, I want to do whatever the fans want to see. There's some huge names out there, some big opportunities. World titles, big fights, it's all on the table.
4: Sneakiest journalist out there. I think it was a backhanded compliment because he said that, and then he gave me the interview. Massive relief, I think, Sonny, that he was expressing. And he knows that the world's opened up for him now. Um, he, that I genuinely could feel the relief in him in that post-fight interview.
5: Oh, I thought you meant the relief was from you when he did the interview after. the sneaky and That moment. was relief there as well. There was a degree of relief. Maybe it just means you always get there first. Do you know what I mean, Gareth? Like, I'll be real. I feel like... As far as boxing journalists go, when there's something kicking off, you see Gareth there, and that, that's what it's meant to be. Otherwise, we miss everything. You know, if you are at the bar all the time, we miss everything, Gareth. You know what hey, I, mean? so I think it was a compliment.
4: In the eye of the storm is the safest place. Calm amongst chaos. There we go. Exactly. Always the zen, the zen of fighting. So um, look, um, he's mental, mental, He's mentioned rather triple G, a title fight, Connor Ben, Kel Brook. What do you think?
5: Um Golovkin still holds a version of world title does he not I think he does he does doesn't he so that would be a great um, legacy fight obviously it is an older Golovkin but okay at times I thought Chris Eubank Jr calling out Golovkin was borderline laughable with the level that Golovkin has shown and displayed and maybe the level that Chris Eubank in my eyes was capped at before but I feel like right now the version of Eubank, um, Eubank Jr we seem to have and the version of Golovkin, the slower, the older, maybe a little bit faded fighter. Who knows how that fight goes, so that could be a great, great event. People have seen Golovkin in Britain numerous times in America, around the world. Chris Eubank has got a profile as big as ever right now. Um, There's that fight, definitely an option. Um, Obviously, the sort of elephant in the room, I guess to say, is the Conor Ben fight, and I mean... After a lot of frustration, and still ongoing frustration with these topics, and that as a fighter I have to jump through certain hoops that it seems that other fighters don't seem to have problem with, etc. I feel like British boxing right now could really do with a full up Wembley arena, with a fight, especially that's not a heavyweight fight. Conor Ben, Chris Eubank Jr. I think is bigger than ever. I think Conor Ben spent more time out of a boxing ring for whatever's happened than certain superstars in corners of the world. Um, you know, as long as you're friends with certain governing bodies and you can be a clean ambassador programme, etc. I feel like there's been fighters that have failed for similar, worse, whatever, and fought within four or five weeks and then become a clean ambassador. So, he's been out of the ring for a while now. If there's nothing really tying him down, it's not about support for him. It's about support for boxing.
4: Um, I've just double-checked this. Gennady Golovkin's number one challenger for the WBC and WBO titles at the moment. I'll just run through Jamal Charlo, WBC, uh, WBA is Aries Landi Lara. IBF is Vincenzo Gualtieri. And the WBO, you'll know this name, Yannibek Alim Canuli. <clears throat> Liam Smith, by the way, was ranked two with the WBO before this and three mm. with the WBC. I still think, you just mentioned Wembley arena there. I think you meant Wembley Stadium. stadium. Of course yes. I did. It's good. So, um, Wembley Arena is where I
5: box, Gareth. <laughs> I mean, that's the one I box in, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> you're going to be
4: the first person, um, <laughs> one of the lighter fighters to sell out massive stadiums. Under five you, foot. Um, a lighter, I said, not smaller. Or, uh, <laughs> or shorter, I said lighter. Um, listen, you walk around and talk like you're six foot nine anyway. Um, and that's I respect it. you for that. Um, and, and and you're one of the most amazing characters in boxing. You, just, you never change, brother, never change. Um, Try not to. No, you must never change. Um, you're a breath of fresh air, you really are. Your breath of beautiful air is what you are. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. The, 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 the thing is, what I think sometimes when, as you just said, when someone shifts the paradigm in one fight, when you can look at them in a different way, I've even put this out there in a column I wrote on Sunday. Even Canelo might have a look at Eubank after that fight and think,
5: this could be the guy I fight in England at Wembley Stadium. No? 100%. And I feel like he kind of has chucked himself in the mix to a certain degree. Okay, what level do that side of the world see Liam Smith? Is it a much bigger fight for the UK than it is America? Probably, definitely. But... The way his performance, you know, he's got a famous last name. The Conor Ben story where that kind of exploded all around the world. It didn't matter what corner of boxing you was from, um, you knew about that. So maybe, definitely, his stock's never been higher. He's got some good wins. He's got, you know, some titles to his name and some reputation and been involved in some big events. Um, At all stages, I mean, like, think Billy Joe Saunders and Chris Eubank was a massive British fight at that time, all that way back. And he's been regularly, you know, being out there, being involved in big fights, putting himself out there, taking the hard fights. So, and now he's got, you know, a great win with a, a sort of even better dramatic storyline around it, sort of overflipping it. It sort of does more, you know, it explodes more. It's more sensationalised. He's the I, fighter who just come back. I'm
4: convinced he had a terrible weight cut and he was pointless. And I hope you will tell other boxers this and I hope you agree. If you don't need to do a weight cut at the age of 32, do not do one and drain your body. Remember what his father, Chris Eubank Sr., whose career I covered in parts, don't do it because it takes it out of every cell. You're a wise man. you draw on the universe a lot. you like your brother Charlie as well. You, 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 you try and embrace the universe, the breath of in and out, don't you? That There are kind of universal wisdoms. Let me ask you this, right? Conor Ben put out a tweet almost or an Instagram post in, almost immediately after the fight saying, I'll fight you at 160, Chris Eubank Jr., and I'll destroy you in four rounds. Be honest with me, is that a very tough fight for Conor Ben against that Chris Eubank?
5: I mean, I thought the old, Connor, uh, the old Chris Eubank would have beat Conor Ben, I'll be perfectly real. I thought, like, that's another reason why it kind of sits a little bit easier with me with the whole speculation of the situation that if, OK, you make the massive event, that would be quite great for British boxing right now. Um, and, you know, Chris Eubank would be the heavy favourite before. Bigger man, probably done uh, and existed at a higher level in boxing previously in his career as well. Won at a higher level as well, at a higher weight. Um, and for me, the eye test, he passes a lot stronger than Connor, I think. Um, Yeah, he's dangerous coming forward, but I feel like Chris Eubank and having a fight is kind of second nature to a certain degree. I think it's in their blood. It's in both of their blood. I just feel like Chris Eubank Jr. does it a lot better than Conor Ben.
4: Yeah, there's a welterweight coming up to fight a middleweight. And look, let me ask you another one here while while I'm on, because this is one we debated for I'd love to get your opinion on this while we're on it. Terence Crawford, a welterweight, coming up to fight Canelo when he was middleweight. And it's, it's a bit like it's like Sugar Ray Leonard coming up to face Marvin Hagler in 87, yeah? At Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. Obviously, we know what happened. Sugar Ray outboxed Marvin Hagler just. People were split on it. Hagler walked off into the sunset to make spaghetti westerns in, in Italy and never fight again. Um, how would you have seen Crawford against C- Canelo? Uh, Crawford coming up from middleweight to fight Canelo at... Uh, from welterweight to fight Canelo at middleweight. How do you see that, Sonny? I'm fascinated to see your
5: view. Well, they're both genuinely great fighters, greats of their era. Genuinely, I feel like they're both probably Hall of Fame first-rounders. I feel like they've both had tremendous success. I feel like Canelo started, you know, at the 147s and at lighter weights and then slowly built up through. So the Mm. actual physical frame and structure of a man who just existed heavier, just because he's boxed at light heavyweight, doesn't make him a bigger man, for example, than... Charlo, you know, when you see him on the scouts, oh, Charlo looks the bigger man. So. He does, he does. And Craw- and Crawford doesn't look a million miles away from the stature overall of Canelo. But probably just yeah. a lot more slimlined yeah. than when he's out of camp. What weight does he go up to? I'm sure he puts on a fair few pounds and goes up and still exists and still trains and still spars at a much heavier weight before how he brings his weight down. So and if he's older he just saw Canelo,
4: stops- which is hard to believe.
5: Yeah, I know, but, he's, but he still seems every bit as fresh and maybe that's that's testament to his preparation, his dedication, how he stays ready to go most of the year. He's lived a kind of really outside boxing scandal-free uh, career for the most part of what I've, what I've seen and been exposed to. So, um, yeah, he's just been a, a professional athlete. Even before he was a professional, he was, you know, a very high what Olympic standard wrestler. That's discipline, that's dedication. That's years spent understanding how two bodies come together and how you can manipulate an arm. And he's taken every bit of that knowledge straight into a boxing ring with him. He is a monster on the clinch, on the inside. He wins fights completely just by every time it comes together. They can't do anything with him.
4: All right, very quick pick here because we've got to go to break in a minute. Um, And we've got to ask one, two other questions before we go. At welterweight, Crawford versus Mayweather, who wins?
5: Okay, no we'll get to break. We'll, we'll no get comment. that at the very no end. No comment. No comment. You won't okay, get
4: all that. Right. No comment. <laughs> um, look, um, uh, um, we we want to um, listen to um, Conor Ben fight. I think will always be there for for Chris Eubank Jr. Anyway, but let's see if that happens. It wouldn't surprise me. I think there's a lot of money mm-hmm. in the fight. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I do see Eubank as a big favorite in that. I always did, but I didn't like the weight cut for him before. Um... Here's Conor Ben with Jim White reflecting on the fight.
2: Smith looked injured. Uh, you know, he looked like a wounded soldier in there. You know, it'd be interesting to find out what actually went on. Eubank done what he should have done first time round. But Smith looked injured from the get-go. You know, he didn't look at the races. And if it took Eubank 10 rounds to get the job done, you know, that ain't really that impressive, um, considering Smith only threw 33 punches in the whole fight, or landed anyway. Connor, did you expect it to be so one-sided? I hear what you're saying about the possible injury to Smith, but it was so one-sided, wasn't it? It's hard to take anything away from it. Uh, it, it was clear to see, you know, based on Smith's whole career, that, you know, he wasn't at the races, and, you know, he may have picked up an injury in the fight. So, you know, I, I don't take much away from that. It was, like, it was like Eubank was hitting a punch bag in there. So, you know, there weren't no counters, there weren't no... You know, evading the shots, you no know, counter shots. You know, so for me it was, um, yeah, he had done what he needed to do, uh, but it still took him ten rounds to get um, a one five four fighter out of there. What was the atmosphere like, Connor? It seemed to be special again. It was great. It was a great atmosphere. You know, I went, re- I, I went there because it's great for boxing. Yeah, it was an unbelievable turnout. I mean, it was it was fifty fifty splits. You know, Eubank's obviously got the booze and Smith got the cheers. But by the end of it, Eubank got a few cheers. I was quite surprised. Connor, it begs a question, this Monday morning, who's next for you? Would you want Eubank Jr.? Uh, 100%. I don't believe I need a warm-up fight. Um, You know, given everything that's going on um, and has gone on, I'd like to do it here for the supporters, for everyone who's continued to support me through this period. You know, a December massive showdown would, um, you know, be a treat for the fans. So we're going to see you again soon? Most definitely.
4: Any appetite quickly for a trilogy with Smith? Seems fair to settle the score or
5: not? Um, it can be, but the way boxing works, the way the rematch clauses seem to work, is if the the first person who should have won wins the second time, that's all she wrote usually, um, unless it becomes later down the line the fight again to do. I feel like that's typically the way it goes. I feel like Chris Eubank probably won't want to do the whole Liam Smith again and sort of, yeah, he probably can't look as good or dominant as that. Does Liam Smith want that fight again? He could maybe go somewhere else, maybe slightly favourable stylistic matchup or something where, you know, his head is just not in that same place. I don't know. Um, Who knows what Liam Smith decides to do next? You'd think Chris Eubank would be looking to really push on strong. So I'm not sure if the rematch seems feasible. And... With you know the sort of the storyline behind having to lose a lot of weight, sort of maybe got rushed a little bit into a fight, eight weeks notice, etc. Yeah, um, maybe needs a little time out, you know, get healthy, have a long run up to his next fight, and be the best version of himself for maybe what is the final stages, the final chapters of his career, if he you chooses your, it to be. You,
4: you you know yourself. He's from a very proud boxing family. He and two of his brothers have boxed arguably two of the pound for pound best in Saul Canelo Alvarez, two of them, and Andre Ward, his brother Paul's fought mm-hmm. as well. Obviously, I mentioned Callum there as well. I haven't mentioned Callum, but Callum's fought Canelo as well. Um, I think he wouldn't want to go out like that. I think he'll have one more fight. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll chat heavyweights with Sonny. Who does he see as the best in the division? Next up, though, I'll be talking to Sonny about his huge unification fight with Jesse Bam Bam Rodriguez later this year.
0: Now hold that please, level five, thank you Ah, you must be one of our new interns
1: Yeah, hi, nice to meet you
0: Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the bypassal Rise plug sale
1: The most important thing is what, sorry?
0: The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelised bingus of the bypassal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine
1: Uh yeah, that sounds important
2: Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. to
1: your winner by unanimous decision...
2: It's one of the best fights of the year, pound for pound. Unquestionably, the best fight and the best. Bam Rodriguez has established himself as a pound for pound top fighter, in my opinion. And this man can be, will be, wants to be. And no fear from him. He should be here now. He should be
5: here right now. He didn't fly over. He didn't come over a few weeks ago for my fight. I know he's running scared. He doesn't want to hear what I have to say to him. He don't want to get in the ring with me. But like I said, he's been backed in the corner. Me joining you, Eddie, was the final now in his coffin. I think his world title reigns over.
4: You're listening to Fight Night Extra on Talksport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, Sonny Edwards. You're currently in Spain. What's the plan between now and December, Sonny, in terms of camp and fighting Bam Rodriguez?
5: So, you know, I've just come out to Tenerife. Um, We're here for a couple of weeks. Got a whole team here, like I said before. Nutritionists, strength and conditioning, sparring partners. Two weeks, hard training, altitude, high temperature. Yada, 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 all that good stuff. Then I've got the, um, I don't know if I can drop too much, but then I've got to come back. I think I've got some media obligations where, you know, we might come face-to-face for the first time, waiting for confirmation on that, but it's sort of chalked in around the time I come back. Then it's, a you know, a nine, ten-week stint run up to um, when I'll be flying out to America for the final three weeks. Um, and then, yeah, get in the ring, do the business, and then maybe stop out a few days in Vegas on the way back. That's
4: the plan, anyway. <laughs> um, tell me about your weight cuts. For those that aren't initiated in this, who are listening to this, i will be fascinated. Tell me how you cut weight and how you taper, and what down to what weight. So, what do you walk around at? How do you taper down in camp? And then, where where are you in in fight week and the and the and the day of the weigh in?
5: Well, initially, I, I tried to maintain under instruction from my team anywhere between like 60, 62, anything more than that is getting a bit kilos too heavy, anything too light, yeah, yeah, kilos, anything lighter than that is probably sitting a bit lower than I need to be with the luxury of um, notice I get for fights at this stage in my career. So we like to get up, we like to train a bit healthier, let my body repair, let my body get stronger, develop, gain muscle, yada, yada, yada. Um, as soon as I sort of have the date in, we have like a you know, target of where I want to be. I get assessed every couple of weeks by aforementioned Lee cards. he's adjusting all my foods as they coming down Um, making sure that I've got everything in me that I need but I don't do a massive weight cut I still think fly weight for me is relatively easy I stopped sparring a good couple of weeks three weeks to be uh, precise before my fight and then from there it's just making sure I eat all my food that I need to not do nothing off plan and I don't really train much fight week I can't really remember the last fight I had to do anything fight week really I've My last fight for Campos, I was a whole kilo under when I checked my weight. I made weight easy. I was eating all week. I've taken it a lot more seriously, you know, the food side of things when it's come to world championship boxing. I'll give myself that credit. Maybe I was cutting a few too many corners um, in camp in the early stages of my professional career, but I understand the importance and and the severity of the fights that I'm getting involved in. And I want to give myself and my team the best chance of, us achieving what we set out to do well, when you have a cheat food what is it do you know what i like doing yeah hopefully my nutritionists don't hear this after i do a hard spot in that 10 12 rounds i'll get like there's a place called pirifino and it's got like pasta chicken but cheese and it's just nice you know like it's not on plan but like it's not the furthest thing away from it it's pasta and chicken at the end of the day you know what i mean i try and yeah, yeah. i try and reason it i try and like bar you know what i mean
4: but if you haven't seen Sonny box, you must watch him box in December if you're listening to this for the first time and, and you're a kind of a new fan to boxing because Sonny has the kind of engine and skills and dancing capabilities with his feet and his hands that beggars belief. He just never gets tired seemingly but because that's because most of the time he practices hit and not be hit. Um, so you're heading over to Arizona for the fight. I well, this I know this determines easily the number one in the division. I know you're gonna say the number one anyway, but in my view you have to beat Rodriguez to put all those ghosts to bed and all the debate to bed over that. Um but Arizona for the fight, was there any attempts try and have it in the UK, Sonny?
5: Well, initially when they first mentioned that they was interested in coming down to flyweight and fighting the IBF champions and the Edwards from the UK, they wanted to come over and they wanted to do it in the UK and do it in London. So that's kind of what I assume was their narrative. They wanted to, you know, they've done this, they've gone up two weights and they've dropped down. They had maybe an easy world title fight, but now they're going to be the away fighter and beat that ch- I thought they was painting the narrative and I was just a part of it. But then once it comes to stall negotiations, it was, oh, the fight has to happen here. Right? And then they can't have like. I didn't even care, I'll be real, like Eddie knew that and would and we'll, we'll just say it on any interview or any time asked, any time pressed. From the day I signed as a matchroom room fighter, my deal on the side of me was agreed for Bam. It's agreed for Martinez, it was agreed for Dallaquay and the other, way. it was agreed for a few super flyweight champions as well. Um, because I'm easy to do business with, I don't I don't need every little bit of juice squeeze. I need the event to prove myself, Gareth. I need that Mm. event to prove how great I am. Not just to everyone that's watching or, you know, my opponent or the promoter. To myself, I've not really seen the ceiling of a ring that I'm in. I can jump in against people five, six, seven weights above them. Good-name fighters, and they can't really do nothing with me, Gareth. They can't. And I know I've got that confidence of years and years and years of boxing just being relatively quite easy for me. So I'm searching high and low, left, right and centre, all corners of the world, trying to find that competition, trying to find over 36-minute fight, 12 rounds, that competitive battle that, that I feel like my talent is is worthy of. I can't wait to get in there and genuinely feel a little bit up against it. I've not, I've not for so long. I'll be real, not for a few years now anyway.
4: Obviously, uh Jesse Rodriguez that that Sonny's talking about there is the WBO champion. Sonny's the IBF, the WBA champion. He mentioned Artem Dalakian, And obviously the WBC champion we didn't mention them was Julio Cesar Martinez. And I'm sure Sonny fears no one anyway. I'm sure we're going to see him in against all of those guys if they are willing to step in with him. How disappointed, by the way, were you when Bam didn't show uh for the fights uh
5: for for the press conference when the fight was announced was that a bit of a disappointment so two times he's meant to have come over the first time when i fought Campos, he was meant to come do some press stuff in the week and be involved in the broadcast and you know announce the fight if it was done over the line they didn't get it over the line because they still had ring demands you know Mm -hmm. venue demands date demands etc etc um what color shorts i'm allowed to wear um there's everything, and they the hardest people I've ever known to work with, but we got it over, the line, apart from but We got over the line, um, not in time for him to come over and want to start the build-up face-to-face before he'd signed it, which I understand to a certain degree, because he's dealing with me. He's not just dealing with, you know, someone face-to-face, take a picture, smile, thumbs up. You'll probably get some sort of dialogue. I'm, I'm I'm so excited for this fight, Gareth. I can't wait to sell this fight. I can't wait to make this fight what it will be. I genuinely think I will. I think I'm already doing it. I feel like yeah, I'm, right you know, well. big driving force. Why why do people are getting excited for? He's a great fighter and his fight can do all the talking. But at the same time, we want to get entertained. Bam, you know what I mean? We want we want we want something to happen. We want something to make us think about that fight again next week and then a the week after but nothing, you know, they go in, they didn't want to come over for that before we signed, then we'd signed, he was meant to come over for that AJ fight and refused, you know, I've got our promoter telling me, ah, we're trying to get him over, but he's, a I'm, going, I'm going, Eddie, when's the press conference, I can't wait to meet these, you know what I mean, when am I going over, when they're you know I mean, I've been chasing it down and was insistent on multiple legs of the press to really give a, a chance to capitalize on the the, the level of event that it is and where it generally deserves. I get goosebumps already watching the trailers. Um, and yeah, I just can't be. I can't wait to be sorry involved in an event of this magnitude, an event that, if I'm real, I've been waiting for my whole career. Derek.
4: yeah, I I see
5: it two ways.
4: I see it as him wanting to kind of put out there, no, he's the A-side, you should be over there with him. But also, I I also see him not wanting to be in front of you because I think he knows what you're like mentally when you get into someone. Um, What I also got to say, for anyone listening, um, as we go to break here, this is a phenomenal fight because Sonny's style, Bam Rodriguez, as I say, is coming up because he's a champion in the weight division um, above as well. Was it below? No, a champion in the weight division above. He's gone up, but he's come back to fight this as well. The styles of yours and his, the bull and the matador, the, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think he'll get the very, very best out of you. Because when you see, think about the silhouettes dancing, you just get excited. I mean, I know you are clearly, but as an observer and an analyst on the sport, it's, oh, I'm getting it now. The old hairs are standing up. It's, it's a thrilling prospect. Because there's jeopardy for you in this fight, isn't there? Real jeopardy.
5: Of course. I feel like even though our versions of jeopardy may be seemingly different, I feel like it's kind of apparent of what it is for both of us. I mean, yeah, yeah he can definitely box, he can definitely move, but you know, the consensus is that it's going to be the power that it gets me that I won't be able to keep off the flurries, the busyness, yeah. the aggression. It's not his supreme boxing skills he's going to stand. Because I feel like... He's been outboxed at times against probably on paper, maybe not in reality, but on paper definitely, and in my eyes in in reality as well, a lower, lesser level than me. And I think especially the tactics they were applying, back foot reacting every time there was something in, in the box in front of you, letting your hands go, not thinking about it too much reacting. That's my brain and butter, Gareth. That's got me here. <laughs> I couldn't could knock myself out. I was going to say something there, but I just realised I'm on talks, but you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I well... Couldn't, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pillow puncher, Gareth. I send the fans to sleep. They call me the Sandman. You know what I mean? So it's different versions of Jeopardy, though, because how many rounds have you seen me in a boxing ring, Gareth, and thought... Oh, Sonny looks uncomfortable here, or Sonny's getting I tired here, or it's was all looking over. like it's about to unravel. And I've been in with world champions. I've been yeah. in with future Hall of Famers. I've been in with great fighters all the way in and out. Hard tests that, you know, the general public might not give credit for. But I've got good wins that people that know boxing, the times I took these fights, I was making noise, especially amongst the real boxing people. And I think that's what's probably pushed me through and got the belief from my promoters and the belief for you know, fighting a 13-year unbeaten world champion number one when I did.
4: Have you, just left field, final question before we go to break. Um Have you locked in a date with Claresta Shields 100% if you, uh, if you get the win on December, when you'll say you get the win on December the 16th? Can you explain oh, this to us as well?
5: When she kind of put the stakes on the table, picking my opponent to beat me, You know, I tried to make it interesting. I don't think she was going along with it at first. Um, She said I got no chance. I weren't sure. So I asked her to clarify if it was no chance of beating Bam on the date. And then, you know, a few interviews came out a few weeks later, and all of a sudden it's if he beats Bam, then I'm, yep, he can take me out. He can fly me out. She said it's all on me, but that's granted. You know, I'm a gentleman, Gareth, you know, raised on old school tradition. So I'm sure (laughs) after, I'm sure after. You know, I, I, I deal with uh, the business of the Rodriguez fight. Then I'll show Clarissa the weekend, you know, the evening, the week of her life, however long she lets me have her for.
4: Ooh, that's big talk, baby. Uh, we love it. Um, listen, you are a showman, and no doubt you will be after you beat Bam Rodriguez. Um, lots of pluses there. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. I'm Gareth Davis. Sonny Edwards with me. We're talking heavyweights next. Welcome back to Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth a. Davis, and the one and only, the one and only, Mister Sonny Edwards, heavyweights. Right, let's get to the chase. Let's cut to the quick. Was that a low blow between Alexander Usyk and Daniel Dubois last week? I think it was the fifth round from memory. Now, was it a low blow or not, Mister Edwards?
5: My question is, where was Usyk hurt? I personally don't believe for a second that in the area you may consider the private, the gonads, the, the, however you want to, you know, PG, regional Crown, Jewel. stuff. Crown, the Crown Jewel. Jewels. Beautifully put, Gareth. The, I don't think for a second, and that was the area of pain I've worn a lot of protectors. I know what you do when you pull them up to your shorts. you cover your belly button and it takes a little sting on some of the body uh, lower body shots. It is where it is, but that shot for me landed in an area that wasn't you know risking and jeopardizing his future fertility you know options. I feel like it was you know a pit of the stomach you know shot, and I thought that's where the pain was and for me that's where you consider a low shot or not i mean maybe that's not the rules maybe they say waistband maybe they say here but i think if you looked at the anatomy of a a, of a human uh with the, the muscles and that and you know there was like a a hawkeye var style punch landed where it hit where it hurt i don't think anyone would think it was a low blow i feel like but yeah it's boxing it's, it's the referee's discretion to, to rule the fight so how it went
4: Final one on that. Did Luis Pabon make a mistake then, or did Usyk milk it with forty thousand Ukrainians there? Is he is is he is it that thing about boxing that champions get favoritism sometimes in a home fight? And what is it? Do you think do you think it was moved that way? Was was Dubois robbed? Do you think would he have won in another place at another time? Would Usyk have got up if the referee started counting him?
5: First of all, I don't think so, I think Usyk needed the time to get up and he he looked every bit hurt and sort of stuck to the floor when he did try and instantly get up from Mm. what Mm. I can remember. Um, Mistake, robbed, probably very strong, I feel like the refs watching the fight in real time, um, it did hit in no part of the physical body, it hit Short's protector. So is it a low shot if that's where the referee who's deciding what's the is legal and isn't legal in the fight? I can't argue, I can give my opinion. I just think the area of pain wasn't in a place, you know, the crown jewels, as we as we previously mentioned. I don't I just don't think it was that to that point low, no, I think it was pit in the stomach, had the and not being as maybe so wide, tall maybe is better um description. Mm. Um then maybe it's, you know, hitting the body and it's a completely legitimate shot and we have another British World Heavyweight Champion and Frank Warren's Golder Heavyweight World Title belts and that would have been a crazy spin around from a few years ago, wouldn't it, really? No, it
4: would have been amazing. It would have been That fight match.
5: would have got made overnight, Gareth. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we well, at the end of the year. <laughs>
4: well, we're now seeing pictures. We're now seeing we're now seeing pictures of um, the Saudis um who are involved with Tyson Fury with the Riyadh season and Francis and now chatting to Alexander Usyk. Um, did you see anything? I'm sure that fight's going to happen next year. Anyway, the undisputed title, the, the, the Saudi Arabian Riyadh season really wants to make a success of massive, massive boxing events. And they are doing everything in their power to to make it so. Um, I'm I'm also looking forward to Fury against Francis Ngannou, the biggest puncher on earth. And, and the fact he's being trained by Mike Tyson, I think is absolutely fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to the event and I'm behind it. And, and I'm simply am behind it. But did we, in your view, see enough from Yusik in uh, Rotslav to see a guy who's going to give Fury problems when they meet the undisputed title?
5: Do you know what? Any any fighter ever steps in the ring, it only proves how them two fighters come together. And I feel like it'd be very easy now to just completely write off Uzik with sort of certain things. But of all things considered, he like took a massive shot that half crippled him for periods of the fight, even when he got up, was visibly not fully recovered, um, and still got to a point of completely dominating and, you know, making a young fighter and down the bar quit um, for most people's eyes. Um, and I don't like done... that
4: quitter. By the way, I don't like the word. I understand. No, I understand? No, no,
5: not about you. But
4: I never use it. I, I don't use it because you're all so courageous to do what you do anyway. In my view, I, I hate the word quitter because anyone in the world can live to fight another day. You know.
5: And that's that's my, that's my that, and that's my defense. I feel like if the case of Dan Dubois, okay, there might be question marks on certain things um, with the Joe Joyce fight and now this, maybe even the. Low, uh, the Lorena fight where it kind of half looked like he was ready to get out of the ring when he kind of and stayed down. Um... If every time he gets another fight, another camp he gets in the ring, gives an honest application of everything that he's capable of doing, if when it starts unravelling at a very good level against a very good, tough, hard fighter, and he's taking more punishment, can't find a way out of the shots, and doesn't feel like he's got anything left, it is his right as a human being existing in a place where he's sacrificing so much time, energy, effort, blood, sweat, tears, and brain cells, that if he decides enough is enough, why is it okay if the, ref, uh, if the corner throw the towel or the referee stops it, the fighter should be the first one that should be able to stop it. Yeah, you might question, and in nice this fight, you might question his heart. Question it all you want. Make that a factor as when you're betting with him, or supporting him, or talking him with amongst your friends. But it doesn't make him any less or more of a fighter. It doesn't completely yeah. write him off because at a very good level, still, Dan I will get in there and perform in another ring. You know, maybe in a Queensbury ring in London. Oh, 2 That's a. a, a a the Daniel Dubois knockout, as soon as he's yeah, on the exactly. floor.
4: Exactly. Maybe, yeah.
5: who knows with boxing, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. But, and, and we could be looking at a whole different conversation where, wow, Daniel Dubois done this, and yeah. he come back yeah. from Joe Joyce. And not want to mention to quit him because the fight would have ended there, and now he's, yeah. wow, could he beat Tyson Fury? That's the...
4: To take it on the round, then, to go back to Fury and Usyk. It's a fight, as you say. But it's still a fascinating fight. Is there jeopardy? Is there danger for Fury even stepping in against Nganu Then, who's being trained by Mike Tyson? We've seen those clips of him hitting the body bag. I know that you're a pure boxer, but you never know what's going to happen in a fight, particularly heavyweights. He he only needs to clip Fury, doesn't he?
5: No, of course. And I thought that when you've got two physical beings that Tyson Fury and Ngani are, and they both generate a lot of power, there's obviously the chance that anything can happen. However, I feel like if you really, you know, was putting your money where your mouth is and really, like, making a confident prediction, you would completely think and and be expected to think, in my opinion, that Fury will be too calculated, be too... um, control of the range the pace of the fight when he wants to come in how he comes in the footwork is going to be a lot clumsier it already looked like when he was stepping in and throwing shots he was punching down from over his front foot not the most fierce punches coming out even if I'm if I'm honest um I guess MMA fighters that spend maybe 20 percent punching, standing up, and 20% kicking and 20% resting and 20% submissions and whatever all of their little strings and the bow that they need to be a good fighter in the cage, they don't spend nowhere near enough time when they're spending pretty much, for the most part, the same time training, learning as a boxer, but we just do boxing, one discipline. We become a master of one craft. They become, you know... A the decathlon different... of, I
4: always call it the decathlon of fight sports, MMA. Yeah,
5: because it's, yeah. it's, it's taking all the disciplines and sort of seeing how they mesh in with certain yeah. restrictions of what yeah. should be themed as appropriate for TV really, isn't it? Like
4: But will um, you be watching it is the key. Will you be watching it?
5: I watch every fight. I watch every fight. And I tweet about it too, Gareth.
4: <laughs> um listen, it's great to speak to you. It's always great to speak to you. Uh we wish you all the best on December the sixteenth. Hopefully we'll see you before that in the studio at Talksport anyway. It's always a pleasure to have you on. You're a young man with beautiful insights in boxing, who is really carving a niche for himself. Like you say, unified, undisputed, Hall of Fame. Don't stop. Don't stop your dreams because it's a great journey to witness for me and many others in the sport.
5: No, I appreciate the words, Gareth. And yeah, I'm just enjoying the journey. I feel like there's always a smile on my face, usually, because... I'm living a movie that I probably didn't I think would exist for me at the, to, to, to the level I'm doing it at the age I'm doing it, you know?
4: There you go. You've dreamed it into reality and you're making reality your life. Sonny Edwards, thanks so much for joining me this week on Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. We'll be back next week with myself and Addie Oladipo. Sonny Edwards, we'll see you next time. Now hold
0: that, please. Level 5. Thank you.